One of the things that I've been hearing a lot that we've been talking about uh, with uh, among us and among friends this past week uh, is just how that so many of us feel like we're hitting hitting a wall, um, hitting not <laughs> literally hitting a wall. Well, maybe you are, but uh, certainly a metaphorical, emotional, even psychosocial wall. Uh, I, I, I mean, we've been in this for a while. All of the novelty, in many ways, is wearing off, and yet. Uh, we do not see any end in sight, and we don't know when we'll get back to normal. Um, my friend Nan Clark, you know Pastor Nan, um, made an analogy with like a marathon. I've never run a marathon, but I hear that in mile 21 or 22, um, you just hit this, you hit this wall, uh, and it just overwhelms your body. But what enables those athletes to get through to the end is knowing they've just got a few more miles more, and then they're done. But, but we don't have that in this race that we're in right now. We don't see the finish line. We're not seeing the end. And as a result, I don't know about you, but I mean, I'm just getting irritable and frustrated and sometimes a little depressed and I'm just getting so sick of Zoom. It's become like a four-letter word to me. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's really hard. It's hard. And yet, this is what's so beautiful about what we're doing right now is that we come together each week. We're, we're keeping our our weekly rhythm that Christians have done for thousands of years, and we are turning our eyes to the one who loves us. And we are remembering these great truths of our salvation. And we are remembering the holy triune God. Um, We don't see the ending, but we know the one who does. Uh, We know the one who holds history. And so it's just an amazing perspective-bringing thing for us to do this together week by week, and especially how good it is that we can be studying these great truths of the creed. Uh, so, so Esther, Pastor Esther, introduced us last week to this doctrine that we're in right now, the doctrine of the ascension, uh, and she did a great job, I thought, just introducing us to the truth of what the ascension is all about. Kids, do you remember? I want you to, kids, come back, stop playing on your switch for a second, uh, and, 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 and stay with me. Do you remember the, the hand motions that Esther taught us about what, our, what does the ascension of Jesus mean for us? Do you remember what was the first one? Adults, do you remember? It was prayer, you know, that G, it's the praying hands that Jesus, because he's ascended, he intercedes for us before the Father. And what was the second one? Do the second one. He sends us his spirit, symbol of the dove. He sends us the spirit from his ascended life. And then the third one, you remember? Jesus' risen life in heaven is now a promise that he will one day unite the realm of heaven and the realm of earth. And God, we will be together with God uh, and he will be all in all. Uh, And so I thought she just did such a fantastic job. And it's amazing because the ascension is not something that we think about very much. Um, I don't know how often, probably not very often you have thought about it. Uh, And yet when you read the New Testament carefully, the New Testament writers are obsessed with it. They talk about it all the time. I dare you to try to read a single epistle and not see a place where they are talking about the ascension. Because in some ways, the ascension... Uh, is the key doctrine that brings everything to reality in our life. Just like you would never build a beautiful house for no one to live in, or you would never cook a fantastic meal for no one to eat, um, so too the work of Jesus, the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus are essentially of no use to us unless Jesus ascends because the ascension is like the, the detonator, the trigger that takes all of the work of Jesus and releases it into our life, and into the world. So without the ascension, uh, we are just fools. Uh, We're just sitting around uh, talking about 
delusional memories of a man who lived long ago. But the ascension tells us that Jesus is alive and is, he's reigning and his power is being released into our life and into our world. So we're really going to see the truth of that today as we turn to this next phrase of the creed. And so I just want to mention one uh, big idea for today that I want to focus on is this. If you can just throw up that slide that has my big idea on it, it is this. The most powerful resource available to you is your union with the ascended Jesus. The most powerful resource available to you in this time of crisis is your union with the ascended Jesus. So let's just talk for a moment. Let me just try to explain real briefly. I'm not going to spend much time on this. Is what does this phrase actually mean when we say in the creed, he sits at the right hand of the Father? That's our phrase for today. He sits at the right hand of the Father. Well, Esther did a good job explaining to us last week that this, of course, is a, is a metaphor. Um, we're getting into some very mysterious things here that language cannot capture. Um, and yet this phrase that he has ascended and sits at the right hand of the Father is a metaphor that describes Jesus' enthronement as king over the universe. You know, she talked about the fact, Esther talked about the fact that Jesus is physically present in heaven. Jesus still has a flesh and blood body just like ours. And you might say, well, where is he? He is physically present in heaven. And, you know, like she said, heaven is not some place way up there between, you know, Saturn and Neptune that you could just see with a telescope. No, that's not, heaven is not a place per se in our realm. It is actually a distinct realm, the realm of God, the, the space where God is, the space in creation that God dwells completely. That's where Jesus is. And there, this part of the creed says that, he, what, here's what he's doing. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Well, what's that all about? Well, listen, this too is a metaphor. Now, back then, in the ancient world, in Bible times, the right hand, sorry, all you left-handed people, you kind of get the shaft in ancient times, um, but, but the, the, the right hand symbolized power and authority and strength. And so when the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father, what it's saying is, is that God has now given to the man Jesus all of the power and authority in the universe. Paul says it like this in Philippians 2. He says, God has highly exalted him to the highest place and has given him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, I mean, take this in, okay? We've got, think about our world. Think about all the countries of our world. Think about all the presidents, all the prime ministers, all the kings, all the queens, all the heads of state, hundreds of them all over our world. Well, just take this in with me for a second. This will blow your mind. This is actually saying, Scripture teaches, this creed teaches, that there is another human being, a brown-skinned, Jewish man, probably about five foot four, 150 pounds. And that this man, every bit as human as you and I, is literally ruling over the universe. 
every nation, every king, every queen, every state, every city, every planet, every galaxy, that he sits at the right hand of the Father and is ruling over the universe, that God has granted all authority to a fellow human being, Jesus Christ. Let me geek out for a second here. For those of you who like J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, in The Lord of the Rings, have you ever noted the fact that, that Tolkien is always making a big deal about the fact that one day a man would sit on Gondor's throne and that, and that it keeps repeating that the race of human beings would reign once more in Middle-earth? Well, that's what Tolkien's talking about. That's what God has done. He has now given all dominion and authority to a man the dominion that human beings were once meant to have from the beginning, but lost in Genesis 3. Now Jesus is king over all, seated at the right hand of God. Now, does this mean that Jesus is absent from our world? No. I mean, Esther also made it really clear that because Jesus is a man, fully like us, he is physically present in heaven, and yet because he is also fully God, he is now spiritually present everywhere. The ascension is not the lessening of his presence, it's actually the intensification of his presence. Jesus is even more involved and more engaged in creation than when he walked on this earth through the spirit. Jesus is not just exalted in heaven. He is present here in this room, in your room, in our lives, in our hearts, among us now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and yet he is with us. Now, I know this is super hard, to wrap your heads around, right? Um, so let's start to get practical. Why is the ascension of Jesus so important for our everyday life? Well, let's go back to our key idea. Can you throw up my key idea slide again? The most powerful resource available to you is your union with the ascended Jesus. Let's unpack that. Paul says it clearly, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. Let's look at that scripture together. It says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, Set your minds on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, at first read, this might strike you as a little naive. I mean, is Paul saying that if you're a Christian, you should just sit around and think about heaven all day? Not think about anything around you on the earth, but just sort of listen to Keith Green music and Think about heaven. Is that, you know, is, that, is that what Christians are supposed to do? Seems a little naive, doesn't it? I mean, does Paul not know what my life is like? Does he not know that, you know, I, I, I have a mortgage to pay and taxes to file and kids to take care of and meals to cook? I mean, does, does, is Paul that out of touch? You, you, you may have heard of that phrase. Oh, that person is so heavenly minded, they are of no earthly good. And, you know, of course, what we mean by that is that religious person is so stuck, their heads are stuck in the cloud, they're out of touch with reality, they are of no good to the world. Is that what Paul means? No. In fact, if you read Paul's letters carefully, you'll know that Paul actually thinks that Christians should be the most engaged in the world, to be the best neighbors, the best citizens, the best employers and employees, the best spouses, that, that, that Christians, should, that the most heavenly minded should be the most earthly good. So he's not talking about that. What is he talking about then? What he's talking about is your mindset. Look, you can't change your circumstances. You can't change what's happening to you. You can't change the hardships or the difficulties that you're facing right now or you will in the future. But here's what you can do. 
You can change your mind. You can change your thinking. You can fix your mind on what is most true about reality and what is most true about you. And what is most true? Here's what's most true. Jesus Christ is risen and ascended. And here's what's most true. When you trust in Jesus, you are united to the risen and ascended Jesus. Did you hear what Paul says? He says, you've died with Christ. You have been raised with Christ. You are ascended with Christ. This is what is now true about you. This is amazing, friends. That this is what it primarily means to be a Christian. Not just to believe in Jesus. Not just to try to be like Jesus. Not just to love Jesus. But what it means to be a Christian is to be united to Jesus. To be one with him. So that just as he is risen from the dead and ascended, now you with him are risen and ascended too. And Paul says, fix your mind on that the risen and ascended Christ, and that you are one with him. So listen, as you go through the ups and downs of life, as you face all of our present hardships and this quarantine and this pandemic, as you deal with all the losses that will come at you, look what he's saying. You can't control any of that stuff, but here's what you can control. Change your mind. You can't change what happens to you, but you can change how you think about what happens to you. Did you, did you hear what I said? You can write that down if you'd like to write things down. You can't change what happens to you, but you can change how you think about what happens to you. Your mindset is the lens through which you navigate the world. You are formed by your beliefs. No one is more influential in your own life than you are because no one talks to you more than you talk to yourself. Your beliefs is what frames your everyday reality. And Paul says, fix your mind on what is true. You are united with the ascended Christ. Fix your mind on that. Well, what would happen to you if you did that? Well, let me mention a few things. How am I fixing your mind on the ascended Jesus change your experience in this crisis? Well, one, I think that if you did that, you would know every day and live out of the fact that you are loved. You are loved. When you fix your mind on the ascended Jesus, you know that you're loved and you can live out of that love. Notice that Jesus, Paul says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Well, that's significant. Seated signifies a finished work, an accomplished work. You know, maybe uh, you were working outside this weekend and maybe you mowed your lawn or you did a tough outside project or you went on a long run and what'd you do? You came back inside, you got a big glass of water or a cold beer or whatever you like to drink, and you sat in your armchair, and you just sat. Why? Because the work was finished. And that's what Jesus did. He sat down because the work is finished. Specifically, the work of salvation is finished. Jesus did it. He died. He suffered for sin. He paid the penalty for our judgment. He bore it. And then he rose from the dead, and then he's seated because everything necessary for our salvation is already done. It's already accomplished. And what does that mean for you and me? It means total acceptance, that we are completely loved and completely accepted by God because of the merit of Jesus' finished work. There's nothing left for you to do, nothing left for you to prove, nothing you can do to make God love you more. 
There's no more guilt, no more shame. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father with his nail-scarred body forever interceding for you on behalf, uh, by the merits of his accomplished work. His righteousness covers you. His love, his grace, his forgiveness covers you. You are completely loved by God because of Jesus, and you cannot undo what he did or add to what he did. It is simply done. He seated. You are loved because of Jesus. You know, I don't know about you, but I have not been at my best uh, the last few weeks. Uh, Just ask my family. Um, I have been irritable and impatient uh, and selfish. I've been unmotivated and undisciplined, and I've acted like a jerk a lot. And that was just this morning. Uh, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, I gotta be honest with you, because of that, I have struggled with, with, I've felt really bad about myself at times the last few weeks. I felt a lot of shame. And when I feel bad about myself and when I feel shame and when I get stuck in that, guess what happens? It just makes me act even worse. And what do we do with that? Well, Paul says, here's what you do. You set your mind on the ascended Jesus. Because when you do, you remember that you are loved in him. You are forgiven in him. You are accepted in him. So yeah, take responsibility for your screw-ups. Confess freely your sin and your mistakes to each other. But you do it without any shame. Like Tracy said in the beginning, we remember that we are forgiven people. Look to Jesus. See him as proof of God's unstoppable love for you. Because of him, nothing can separate you from the love of God. You are held in God's love continuously. And and let me say this, friend. You might not understand why this stuff is happening to you right now, and I can't tell you the reason, but I can tell you why it's not happening to you. It's not happening to you because God doesn't love you. Because he does. And I have proof of it. You have proof of it. The ascended Jesus. His work is finished. He is God's proof forever that God is for you. You are loved. And now you can live out of that love. You don't have to live in shame. You can live out of the love of God for you. You know, um, remember that show American Idol, which really was one of the most culture-forming shows in our modern life that has formed many of the performance reality shows that we're in today. And a friend of mine, Rankin, pointed out to me that um, what's so interesting about that show is that throughout all of the season, the candidates would be performing song after song. With every song, they were basically performing for their lives. Every mistake could end up in the rejection. They were performing basically to earn acceptance. They were performing to earn the crown, to earn love. But at the very last show, one person is finally crowned. And at that moment, do you remember what happened? She or he would take the microphone one last time and she would sing again after she's been chosen, after she's been crowned and accepted and celebrated. So now she is performing not to get accepted, but because she has been accepted. Not to earn the love anymore, but to live and perform out of the love that she's received. And that's now our situation, friends. In Christ, you are accepted and loved completely by God. There's, you don't have to perform anymore. You have the applause of heaven. There's nothing left to earn. You, you can now live your life from God for God, not to earn his love, but because you already have it. And you can live out of that love. 
So friends, whenever you doubt it in the coming way, in the coming week or the coming days, set your mind on the ascended Christ. He's proof of God's love. You are loved. Another thing that happens when you set your mind on the ascended Christ is you remember that you are safe. You're safe. Paul says this, set your mind on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Paul's saying something amazing here, really difficult for us to understand, but he's saying that when you trust in Jesus, you now are united to him, and now your own self, your identity, is bound up with the risen and ascended Jesus. This is super difficult for us modern people to understand because we basically believe the opposite. Modern people believe that your identity lies deep within you, right? That it's your job to discover who you are. This is basically what every Disney movie, every self-discovery movie is about. Basically that everyone has a true, authentic self somewhere down deep within. And if you want to live a happy life, you have to discover that inner self uh, and then learn to how to live and express it. You know, it's like Kanye said, if I'm, I'm nothing if I can't be me. Uh, uh, identity lies within. That's our mantra. Now, of course, we all have ways that God has made you unique and special and useful, and it's important that you discover those things and learn to use them and express them. But here's the big problem with rooting your identity in anything that is within you, whether it's your talents or abilities or accomplishments or your feelings or your passions or your interests. The problem is none of those things are secure. All of those things can be taken in an instant. They're fleeting. And when any disaster comes along, kind of like the one we're in right now, any of those things can just be taken away. In fact, I've talked to some friends in the last couple of weeks who've lost their jobs or been furloughed. And, and, and the great struggle for them is not just financial, it's an identity struggle, right? Who am I when my sense of self was bound up with my work and suddenly my work isn't there? Is there any self left? And Paul is saying something revolutionary. He's saying because of the ascension of Jesus, we can have an identity that is rooted not in us, but outside of us. It's rooted in someone, in something beyond us. That instead of looking within to find who you are, you can look without. You can look outside of yourself at the risen and ascended Jesus because, Paul says, your life is now hidden with Christ in God so your true identity, your true self is fixed and protected and safe in the most unassailable place in the universe with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. What it means, what does that mean? It means that you're safe. It means that nothing cannot destroy you. Nothing really bad can happen to you that will undo you. Of course, bad stuff's gonna happen. You could lose your job. You lose your money, you'll lose your friendships, you'll lose reputation. Some of that has happened to you the past few weeks. You'll get knocked around by life. But through it all, your true self is secure. Your true identity is bound up in Jesus, in an untouchable, impervious place in heaven. You know, there was a, a viral funeral message that went around a couple months ago from Jonathan Evans, who's the son of Tony Evans, the famous preacher and author, and, and Jonathan uh, was preaching at his mom, Lois's funeral. And in the eulogy, he spoke about how he was wrestling with God and wondering why God had not answered his prayers to heal his mom's life. Why didn't God answer? 
And this is what he said God spoke to him in the midst of that wrestling. I'm just gonna read what Jonathan preached that day. He said, God said to me, you don't understand the nature of my victory because just because I didn't answer your prayer your way doesn't mean that I haven't already answered your prayer anyway because victory was already given to your mom. You don't understand because of the victory that I have given you. There were always only two answers to your prayer. Either your mom was gonna be healed or she was gonna be healed. Either she was gonna live or she was gonna live. She was either gonna be with family or she was gonna be with family. Either she was gonna be well taken care of or she was gonna be well taken care of. Victory belongs to me because of what I've already done for you. The two answers to your prayer are yes and yes because victory belongs to Jesus. Do you hear what he's saying in this brilliant and beautiful way? He's saying his mom's life was hidden with Christ. And therefore, nothing could really touch her. Nothing could really destroy her. No, no destruction, no disease, no cancer, no illness, no tragedy. Not even death itself could touch her because her true self is hidden with Christ and God. And that's why, friends, the Christian person can be fearless. This is why Judy Duarte can say, standing there in the cashier line at Libby Market, I'm not afraid. Nothing can touch me. Nothing can touch my true self, hidden with Christ in God. Therefore, you are always safe. You're safe. You're loved, you're safe. And one, one last thing, when you set your mind on the ascended Christ, you remember that you are never alone. Remember what we said earlier, that Jesus is physically present in heaven because he is a man, and yet he is spiritually present everywhere because he is God. And that's because of the Spirit. And we'll look at the Spirit in a couple weeks when we get to that in the Creed. But Jesus made this clear when he said in John 16, it is to your advantage that I go away. And his disciples were like, say what? How is it to our advantage? And Jesus said, the reason is because right now, guys, I can only be with three of you or five of you or 20 of you or a couple hundred at most. But when Jesus ascends to heaven, he sends his spirit and suddenly he is not constrained by the limitations of his physical body and he can be available and present to every person on the planet through the spirit. So do you see what that means? It means that you are never alone. You have someone with you, and not just someone, you have the king, the CEO of the universe with you, and not just with you, within you at all times, making, as Jesus said, taking up residence in you. You know, many of us are feeling very lonely uh, and isolated right now. Maybe you're even watching this morning, and you're feeling even lonelier than you were an hour ago because you're seeing all these other people who are with their families and stuff, knowing that they're watching with other people, and you're all by yourself in your room or your apartment or in the nursing home. Or maybe you're you're stuck in a crowded house, and you're feeling alone with all these people around you, and sometimes that can be even worse, being stuck with the people that are closest to you and yet feeling completely isolated, unknown, and alone. Here's the promise, the ascension to you though. Jesus says in Matthew, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me and surely I am with you always, even to the very end. He is not just with you, he is within you. And he is with you now in your empty apartment, he is with you in that quiet room in the nursing home. 
He is with you in your crowded house. He is with you in your isolation. He is in, with you in your loneliness. Friends, even the best relationships cannot cure loneliness. Even the best marriages can leave you feeling unknown. And yet in the ascent of Jesus gives you what no other relationship can give you. He gives you himself, his indwelling presence. He gives you everlasting union. He gives you his fidelity. He gives you his love. He gives you his intimate companionship forever. You have the true friend, the good spouse, the good shepherd, the risen king, living in you, with you, wherever you are. So I just want to say this, my dear sister and my dear brother, this week when you feel like you just, I know you're going to feel this way, I'm going to feel this way like probably in like an hour or two, that you just can't do this anymore. And, uh, and you can't just, you, you can't do one more day trying to manage your kids. You can't make another meal. You can't deal one more day of conflict in your home. You can't deal with one more day of uncertainty in your business or with your budget. Uh, you, you can't go another week without seeing your grandkids or touching a human being. I want you to remember this. Set your mind on Jesus. Look to him and remember that you are in him and he is in you. And you don't have to get up tomorrow and try to white-knuckle it through another week. Jesus is in you. The high king of heaven has taken up residence in you. And he will give you what you need to make it through. I promise you, you are not alone. So friends, our simple message today is this. The most powerful resource available to you right now is your union with the risen and ascended Jesus. Jesus is ascended. He is seated at the right hand of God. He is ruler over all things. You know, let's be honest. It doesn't look like it sometimes. Sometimes it seems like the rule of Jesus is just like a little crack of light under a closed door that you can just barely see. But the Bible promises that one day that door is going to swing open and the whole room, the whole world will be flooded with his light. And until that day, here's what you're called to do. Set your mind on the truth, on the ascended Jesus in your union with him. You cannot change what happens to you, but you can change how you think about what happens to you. And your union with Christ is a fixed reality. You won't always feel the truth of it. C.S. Lewis once said, the presence of God is not the same thing as a sense of the presence of God. And I would say the reality of your union with the ascended Jesus is not the same as your awareness of that union. And so here's what you do. You recall the reality. You remember what's true. You fix your mind on Jesus and the ascended at the right hand of the Father. And when you do, when you live and make a habit of practicing that mindset, you remember that you are loved. You remember that you are safe. You remember that you are never alone. Fight for that truth this week, friends. Fight to see Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do know that you are the risen and exalted king over all things. And we pray that you would help us to fix our minds on you this week. That we might remember the great truth about who you are and who we are in you. So that when we doubt and struggle this week, we would know that we are loved, that we are safe, and that we are not alone. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.